Welcome back to Chasing Dramas. This is the podcast that discusses Chinese culture and history through historical Chinese dramas. Today, we are going to be discussing episode 67 of Hou Gong Zhen Huan Zhuan, Empresses in the Palace. We are your hosts, Karen and Kathy. As with all of our podcast episodes, we first do an episode recap of the drama, and then we discuss any historical significances of interest raised in that episode. If you are new to the podcast, we recommend listening to our intro to the podcast and intro to the drama episodes to understand where we are. If you have any questions or comments, email us at karenandkathy at chasingdramas.com or follow us on Instagram and Twitter at chasingdramas. Let's begin. The last couple of episodes were focused on marrying off Jin Huan's two sisters, one to the 17th prince and another to the 19th prince. Now we're back to drama in the imperial harem. There's not a whole lot of historical analysis in this episode, but there is quite a bit to discuss character-wise that ties into history, which we're eager to chat about. We start up right at the Empress Dowager's bedside. She's on her dying breath. The emperor has rushed over to her bedside after the wedding of Yu Yirao and the 19th prince, which is perfect timing because when there is a state death, such as the death of the Empress Dowager, the country or the entire empire has mourning rites where no one is allowed to get married for three years. This is what Jin Huan tells us as well in the last episode. The rest of the concubines in the imperial harem are already there. The empress dowager starts muttering in her sleep. The emperor gets the gist of what she is saying and immediately dismisses the women of the imperial harem to have one final conversation with his mother. Mother and son try to have a heartfelt discussion, but it ends in disappointment for both of them. The Empress Dowager wants to see her other son, the 14th Prince. It's been years since the current Emperor ascended the throne, but the 14th Prince is still imprisoned. The Emperor coldly denies this request. He claims that his brothers forced his hand. She begs him with tears streaming down her cheeks, but he is not moved by this. This goes back to the entire story about how the Emperor ascended the throne. We've discussed this earlier in the series, but his younger brother from the same mother, the 14th prince, decided to back another prince for the throne and actually decided to throw his hat in the ring. In total, there were nine princes vying for the throne. Those that were not on the emperor's side, this current emperor's side, were either killed or banished. The 14th prince is one of them. This is especially harsh because, yes, while the emperor did have quite a few brothers, but the fact that the 14th prince was his brother from the same mother and father makes it even more difficult for this reality. In an effort to calm his mother down, the emperor then starts enumerating his own acts of filial piety towards her. He claims he didn't say anything about her relationship with Long Keduo, He's treated Chun Yuan and the current empress well. This was all for the empress dowager. His final words to her are, Thank you for dealing with Long Keduo. You spared me from selling my own reputation. After hearing this, 
The Empress Dowager gasps her last breath and passes away. Remember that the Empress Dowager went and poisoned Lung Kuo, who was one of the Emperor's trusted advisors, but the Emperor had no use for him anymore and needed to get rid of him. The other component is that the Empress Dowager and Lung Kuo actually knew each other well before she entered the palace and became a concubine, and they actually had a, a romance between them. The Emperor, seeing that his mother passed away, kneels at her bedside to recite a childhood song. She never sang it to him. Can she sing it to him one last time? Usually, we leave the analysis of scenes at the end of the episode. But since this is all fresh in our mind, I want to talk about this right now. I, just as a little preface, am going to go on a rant. First and foremost, are you kidding me? Once again, this emperor shows that he is a childish, petty, selfish, self-centered man. Your mother sacrificed so much for you. You even acknowledge this. She paved the path for your throne. She schemed for you. She built alliances and even killed her childhood sweetheart for you so that you can secure your throne. Let's recall, as Karen said before, that the Empress Dowager and Long Kudua knew each other before she entered the Imperial Harem. She was the one who killed him because the Emperor couldn't be seen as killing all of his ministers. All the Emperor had to say for this was, you should thank me for not revealing your past with Long Kudua on her deathbed too. Even at the very end, he's lamenting what she didn't do for him, like singing a child's lullaby. There is a reason why the Emperor won't let her see the 14th Prince, his own blood brother. He is still jealous of the relationship they had, so even on her deathbed, the Emperor won't grant her this request. Sure, there might be some political motivations too, but everything he does or responds to right now, I think, has more to do with his own jealousy and insecurity. The Empress Dowager dies disappointed at her son, and I am honestly disappointed too. But to me, I wouldn't have expected anything else. I mean, time and again, this Emperor has shown us he is not a good man. I will commend both actors in this scene, especially Chen Jianbin, the actor who plays the Emperor. His stoic face breaks when he realizes his mother has passed, if you take a look closely, but he quickly composes himself as he kneels at her bedside. When he asks her to, or begs her to, sing the lullaby for him again, his voice and his face kind of are composed again, but you can see that under the facade, he is heartbroken. With the Empress Dowager's passing, the whole empire is in a state of mourning. It's the new year and all of the celebrations were muted. The emperor commends the empress for her frugality. There's some small talk, and the Emperor makes some subtle jabs at the Empress. Well, I don't think he realizes what he's saying was hurtful, but she certainly looks at it that way. He says things like, You haven't had children in a long time. You probably forgot how difficult it is to raise one. Ooh, that is really a sucker punch to the gut, because sure, it's not like she wanted to not have children. Her child died. 
The empress is like, uh-uh, I'm over this. And she stands up and congratulates the emperor. She exclaims that An Ling Rong is three months pregnant. What? This is rather surprising news. Ning Guiren is the first to get all snarky. She's like, uh, well, isn't this opportune? If we remember from last episode, An Ling Rong's father is in prison and she's been looking for a way to save him. This is her trump card. The empress immediately uses this opportunity to push Jin Huan into a corner. She says, well, we need to make sure another Qi Fei fiasco doesn't happen again. Jin Huan understands the context. Remember, Qi Fei was the mother of the third prince and was worried that Ning Guiren would also get pregnant. So she stupidly sent a bowl of Zhang Honghua or basically infertility medicine to Ning Guiren and she drank it. This caused Ning Guiren to forever become infertile. For this trouble, Qi Guiren committed suicide. Jin Huan right now runs the palace. If anything happens to An Lingrong during her pregnancy, all the responsibility will fall under Jin Huan. This is the tactic uh, that Jin Huan did to the Empress the times that she got pregnant. Remember, she asked for protection under the Empress, which meant that the Empress couldn't actually do anything to her. Jin Huan agrees to protecting An Lingrong, albeit begrudgingly. Seeing this settled, the Empress then makes another request. Promote An Lingrong to the rank of consort, or Fei. Her father is still imprisoned. The news of a promotion will lift An Lingrong's spirits. In the palace, there can be two noble consorts and four consorts. Xi Guifei, or Jin Huan, is the rank of a noble consort, and there are currently two other consorts, Duan Fei and Jing Fei. There is space enough right now for An Lingrong. I will applaud the Empress. She knows how to get what she wants. She told An Lingrong last episode that getting pregnant is the only path forward, and now, with An Lingrong pregnant, the Empress can ask for higher titles and solidify her alliance. Jin Huan, back at her palace, is surprised. How can An Lingrong be pregnant? She knows full well the lengths An Lingrong took to regain favor, including taking large amounts of musk, which means she can't get pregnant anymore. Something's fishy. Well, shortly after, Jin Huan brings some desserts for the emperor. They include lotus leaf soup and lotus and osmanthus cakes, all specialties of the now deceased Shen Meizhuang. Why does Jin Huan bring these specific desserts? Let's pay attention to that because I have my thoughts and let's uh, dive a little bit deeper into what this conversation is about. Right after this, the eunuch Su Peisheng presents three characters that the Ministry of Internal Affairs or Nei Wu Fu determined as options for An Lingrong's consort title. She currently still is referred to her by her last name. As a consort, there is justification to gift her a title. Many of the other consorts or ladies of lower rank already have titles. An Lingrong is somewhat of the exception. Let's take a look at the words. The first is su, which means serene or stern. Mm, that doesn't really fit An Lingrong, so 
Jin Huan doesn't even look at this. The other word is wen. When paired with jing, it means gentle or peaceful, but by itself, wen means text. So as a title, the person must be learned or cultured. It's widely known that An Lingrong hasn't read many books, so this does not fit her. However, listen to what Jin Huan says. Instead of belittling An Lingrong outright, she says, if we give her this title, An Lingrong might have extra thoughts or might be a little bit sensitive about this. The subtext is that she might think everyone else is mocking her. And funnily enough, the emperor agrees. This leaves the last word. Li. Li by itself means companionship. Not a bad word, right? Jin Huan then adds this also represents the deep affection between husband and wife using the idiom Kang Li Qing Shen, which uses this correct word. The emperor initially agrees to this title, but pauses and after further examination disagrees with thinking that this title is a good word. An Lingrong is just his concubine. How can she use the title of Li, which is used to describe the love between husband and wife? Again, there is a big difference between concubine and wife. Jin Huan comes up with a different solution. Why doesn't the emperor just gift a title for An Lingrong himself? The emperor agrees and actually orders Jin Huan to come up with a suggestion. What does she write? The word is li or oriole, the bird. Jin Huan explains that the oriole has a charming voice, is gentle, and only has one mate. The eunuch Su Peisheng chimes in, oh yes, I hear orioles also have many offspring, so this will be a good omen for An Lingrong. Well, the emperor doesn't think much of it, agrees, and orders Su Peisheng to tell the empress the good news. Su Peisheng chuckles as he exits the palace, going so far as to tell a young eunuch to grab 50 orioles to gift to the new Li Fei to congratulate her. We'll dive into this in our analysis because instead of being a complimentary title with the title of Li, it is instead a slap in the face for An Lingrong. Well, with An Lingrong's title settled, Jin Huan has other important matters to do, such as manipulating the emperor into promoting her own faction so as to better counter the empress. Good for you, girl. She starts off by reminiscing about her dear friend Shen Meizhuang, who tragically passed away, and asks the emperor to provide her with some type of title now that she is gone. He agrees. And this, I think, is where those desserts really paid off. She started in a very subtle way so that the emperor himself remembers Shen Meizhuang. She doesn't say anything. And now he is more malleable to these requests. Jin Huan then continues to ask for similar promotions and gifts for other women who have passed, such as Qi Fei, the third prince's mother we mentioned earlier. The emperor, on his own volition, brings up Hua Fei as well and agrees, actually, to gift them posthumous titles. Now that Jin Huan knows the emperor is in a giving mood, 
she brings up the women in the imperial harem that are still alive. She says that she agrees with the Empress that there are many positions in the harem that are still empty, and it's a good idea to fill those positions with capable women so as to strengthen the camaraderie in the palace. And the most important line she says here is that no matter who the emperor wants to promote, Duanfei must be at a higher position than her. Also, she doesn't even give the emperor an opportunity to say no. She just straight up says, no matter who you promote, please promote Duanfei to be higher than me. This is surprising on many accounts because normally people would want to move up the ranks as much as possible themselves. But here, Shen Huan is showcasing her gratitude and respect towards Duanfei, who helped her when she first entered the palace. This is also showcasing that Shen Huan doesn't care too much about power. Yes, power to some degree is good, but it is better to share the ability with others. This is again a stark difference in managerial style between Jin Huan and the Empress. The Empress cares so much about her power as the one powerful Empress and does everything she can to suppress her followers or the people on her team. Namely, preventing these women from having children. Jin Huan, on the other hand, is happy to share children with other women in the palace. The emperor agrees to Jin Huan's suggestion and, on his own volition, decides to promote Jing Fei to Gui Fei or noble consort, which is the same rank as Jin Huan, and Xin Guiren to Xing Pin or imperial concubine. Duan Fei is to be promoted to Huang Gui Fei, which is the equivalent of vice empress. All three of these women are on Jin Huan's team, which most certainly bodes well for her stability in the palace. One last highlight is that the emperor point-blank asks whether Jin Huan wants any type of reward or promotion. She actually says no. She has the emperor's favor, and that's enough. This is another reason why I love Jin Huan and this character. Her strength comes in knowing when enough is enough, and that when others prosper, she does too. This also makes her look better in the eyes of the emperor because she is not there to say, let me give everything to my friends and also ask for more myself. She's saying, you know what, today I only want to ask for my friends. I think anybody or any manager or a partner seeing this would be happy to hear this type of uh, request. After this conversation, we have an interesting scene at the Ministry of Internal Affairs, or Neowufu. The head eunuch is giving orders about the promotions and reminding the other eunuchs who are the most important people in the harem. He then asks for the eunuchs who provided those words at the three, Su, Wen, and Li, as potential titles for An Lingrong. Instead of praising them, he instead has them beaten and sent to do hard labor. He coldly tells the remaining eunuchs that trying to cozy up to the wrong person will result in the same fate. Clearly, he has seen through that even though An Lingrong was promoted to Li Fei, she's not someone that should be valued. Ouch, that's pretty harsh. I've seen this scene many times and can't help wonder if Jin Huan had a hand in manipulating those eunuchs 
into providing those titles to the emperor. She came to see him just in time for him to choose those words, and she was the one to direct the conversation on words that work better than others. And she was the one to finally give An Lingrong the title of Li or Oriole. We'll never know, but that's my hunch. She's pretty all-powerful right now in the uh, Imperial Harem, so maybe it could have been all her doing. The rest of this episode circles around An Lingrong's pregnancy. The Empress and An Lingrong need the pregnancy to last as long as possible, so An Lingrong and the Imperial doctors do what they can to stabilize the pregnancy, using traditional Chinese methods such as burning ai cao or Chinese mugwort. At the promotion ceremony, everyone is in attendance except for An Lingrong. The excuse is that she's pregnant, so it's not safe for her to attend festivities with too many people. Makes sense. Of course, the ever-sensitive An Lingrong takes offense to this, but what can she do? Almost everyone has gotten promoted, even Ning Guiren and the new Ying Changzai, who was provided to the emperor by Yu Yin, the 17th princess consort, or Zhen Huan's second sister. They are now Ning Pin and Ying Guiren, respectively. So again, everyone from Zhen Huan's team is getting promoted. A while later, Chen Huan, Qin Guifei, and now Xing Pin come to visit the bedridden An Lingrong. They make some light-hearted comments at the luxuries that An Lingrong now has, including the silk pillows, her tea, and even her curtains. Chen Huan covers these comments by saying, Oh my, this is just a reflection of your favor from the emperor. I love this scene with Chen Huan because now Chen Huan is the one who is all kind of like, oh, look at all the favor that you have. And Anling Rong's like, oh my God, what is she saying? This is really, really weird. I don't know what she has in her mind. There's been several times where, especially during the interrogation um, episode where Jin Huan just couldn't retort. And now I love it how Anling Rong here has nothing to say. She can't say anything. So while on the surface, Jin Huan is being kind and sisterly, this entire scene is rather passive-aggressive on Jin Huan's part. She comes in with all of these compliments and even reminds An Lingrong on what to avoid in order to protect herself. But this, again, like I said, is more or less putting on a show. She has multiple women accompany her to visit An Lingrong. Plus, she has everything she's gifting An Lingrong examined by doctors to confirm that none of those items will harm the baby. She meaning Jin Huan, doesn't want anyone to frame her for anything. She needs, let's say, proof. You can tell very clearly An Lingrong is a little uncomfortable with all this attention, which is great. The whole purpose of this trip, though, was for Jin Huan to investigate An Lingrong's pregnancy. As she was talking to An Lingrong, Wei Lin, who is the student of her friend Wen Shichu, was scoping out An Lingrong's medical condition. And Xiao Yunzi, Jin Huan's head eunuch, scoped out An Lingrong's palace for anything amiss. Sure enough, the eunuch discovers a weird type of fragrance. After they leave An Lingrong's palace, Wei Lin, the doctor, first informs Jin Huan that her suspicions were correct. An Lingrong will not be able to keep her baby. 
all the signs are there that her pregnancy is in danger. This is important information to protect Jin Huan from being alone with An Lingrong. She knows that the Empress and An Lingrong will try to pin any harm to An Lingrong's baby on her. So Jin Huan now knows she must stay away or make sure whatever happens doesn't go back on her. As for the fragrance, the doctor informs that this is actually a very potent aphrodisiac. It contains Yilanhua or Ylang Ylang and She Chuangzi or Monier's snow parsley. These two ingredients have been recorded as aphrodisiacs, so again, props to the show for getting this right. Well, the presence of these aphrodisiacs is obviously used to seduce the emperor. This is another piece of useful information that Jin Huan will be using in the next episode. It's not like we don't know how much of a snake An Lingrong is and how nefarious she is, but this fragrance and the fact that she is pregnant but her pregnancy is not going to last are further examples of her being a pawn but also being someone who is ready to attack and harm Jin Huan. That was it for episode 67. There are two pieces of analysis or discussion points I want to have. First is, of course, about the character of Li or the title that is given to An Lingrong. Why is this word such an insult? It references a beautiful bird, after all, the Oriole. Interestingly enough, the nickname for An Lingrong amongst all the Chinese chat channels is to actually call her An Xiaoniao or Little Bird. If you look on YouTube, WeChat, any texts or discussions about An Lingrong, they all call her An Xiaoniao or Little Bird An. This is an insult because it reflects how the emperor feels about An Lingrong. He has no real emotional connection towards her, but rather sees her as a pet, a plaything that is very demure, talented, well-trained, and even cute. An Lingrong comes from a poor family, and this is a huge slap in the face for her. If you look at the titles of the other ladies in the harem, such as Jingfei or Duanfei, those are all respectable titles. Indeed, Jing means respect, and Duan means composed. The only person in the harem with an animal for a title is An Lingrong. While Jin Huan's explanation was quite nice that the Oriole or Li has a beautiful singing voice, which reflects how An Lingrong first came to favor and is also a calm-natured animal, this title is indeed insulting. Everyone in the palace picked up on the insult except for the emperor himself. He saw nothing wrong with it. That shows his selfishness once again, since He's placing An Lingrong in the same tier as an animal, and he's totally okay with it. Next, let's discuss some history, specifically the Empress Dowager. We've discussed her before, uh, so I won't dive into too much details right now. The Empress Dowager came from the powerful Ula Nala clan and a member of Zhenghuangxi, or the Plain Yellow Banner. She was born in 1660 and entered the imperial harem in 1675, when she was only 14 or 15, depending on how you count the time. 
She steadily climbed the ranks within the imperial harem, becoming a consort in 1681 with the title of De, or I guess you could say virtuous for that translation. She had six children, which reflects her favor with the emperor Kangxi. She had three sons and three daughters. Her two most famous sons are, of course, the fourth prince, which is now the emperor Yongzheng, and the 14th prince. Her other children died relatively young. The Empress Dowager in history died in 1723, which is different from a timeline perspective to what we have now. I think we're about uh, 1730, I would say. There is no historical record of any romantic ties between her and Longkuo, so this, of course, is just embellishment for the drama. He died in 1728, so there is absolutely no way she could have poisoned him. As for the 14th prince, he was imprisoned in 1725, a few years after Yongzheng ascended the throne, and was not released until 1735 after the death of Yongzheng. Finally, let's give a shout out to the actress for the Empress Dowager Liu Xiehua. Born in 1959 in Beijing, she became a well-known Hong Kong actress in the early 80s. But she reached the zenith of her popularity acting in Qiongyao dramas in the late 80s and 90s. Qiongyao is, of course, the author of other popular dramas such as Huanzhu Gogo or Pearl Princess and Ting Shenshen Yumengmeng or Romance in the Rain. She still acts in movies and TV shows nowadays, but they're mainly Empress Dowager roles or motherly type figures. Nevertheless, I still commend her. She is a great actress, and she did a phenomenal job here in this show. That is it for today's episode. Thank you all so much for listening. If you have any questions or comments, again, please reach out to us. Otherwise, we will see you in the next episode.